Welcome to GMFC Studios, God's production company. Praise the Lord, everybody. Happy New Year. That's what everyone's been screaming over the last several hours and texting and calling and emailing and just sharing. Happy New Year. Happy, happy New Year. And then there are many who are struggling with the stuff from last year while entering into a new year, wondering, is this year going to be different? Is, are things going to be better? Are they going to be worse? What is it that I can expect? And then there are yet others that are making all kinds of promises to themselves, as many of us do every single new year. Thanking God for getting through last year. And then these are the promises, the commitments that I'm going to make to myself for this year. This is what I'm going to accomplish. These are my goals. This is what I look forward to. And too often, many of us have good intentions, but we never follow through with the things necessary to meet the goals that we established at the beginning of the year. And then on Facebook, you're going to see all kinds of quotes. Everyone's going to be blasting social media with their quote for the, for the year. All their rhymes and, and rhythm and all these different things. And however you enter the new year, that's really up to you. The one thing that I would suggest and encourage you, though, is that in all the different things that I've just you know, said to you that people are doing across the world, the one thing that you should never forget to do is to come into this year with Jesus Christ. An opportunity, if you did not know him last year, being thankful that he allowed you by his grace to come into a new year because even in this city of Columbus, not everyone made it to the new year. It's important that we recognize that Jesus has to be the center of our all. He has to be the center of this new year, 2023, that we are entering into. This time, this season, has been given to us by the grace of God. And we should not take it lightly, but we should take advantage of the opportunity to celebrate God first and to recognize that this is the time he has given us to reestablish a relationship with him. That should be the only commitment that we should have. That if last year wasn't the year that it should have been for my walk with God, then this year is going to be that year. I choose in the power of Christ to make this year my best year with God yet. So I would suggest to you again, Coming into this new year with all the different things we're going to see and hear, remember this. You will not be successful or as successful as you can be if you negate Jesus in this new year. But I salute each and every one of you, my family, my friends, my co-workers, my fellow laborers in the gospel. Happy New Year. I thank God that he has brought you into this year. And we're excited about what God is going to do for you and for this ministry in this new year. 
If you don't know, we just released a special broadcast of Coffee with the Bishop. Uh, we just released that two days ago. Uh, and it was, we had a special guest, William Bill Page. He's a um, retired detective from the Greenberg Police Department in New York. And he has a phenomenal testimony that would greatly minister to police officers everywhere. So if you haven't had the opportunity yourselves to watch it, because it's, it's a very good discussion on how trauma affects the badge, but it's apropos to how trauma affects life, period. So I encourage you, if you have not had the opportunity, go to the GMFC Studios YouTube channel and, and watch it, listen to the conversation. It is a very good conversation and it will give you some insight into how suicide is becoming so prevalent, not just in cult, our culture, but in law enforcement in general. So to my law enforcement brothers and sisters, I encourage you, take an hour of your day, or 15 minutes today, 15 minutes tomorrow, so on and so forth, and watch this program. It's an hour long, but it, it is very beneficial. It's a beautiful conversation that I believe will minister to you especially if you're struggling with some of the things that police officers see. One thing that I've said for years as a chaplain with the Columbus Division of Police, police officers 98% of the time catch humanity in their worst moments. And unfortunately, either instantly or over a period of time, seeing humanity in that fashion can be devastating to your own personal peace. Listen to this conversation, tune into it. Uh, we encourage you uh, to let it minister to you. Again, we salute our uh, friends in uh, Africa. We thank the Lord for them, for what they're doing. They have, they're ahead of us in time, so they've already celebrated their new year. And uh, we've been in contact with them uh, through uh, Facebook and Messenger and, and things of that nature. And we just salute them and we thank God for them and uh, wish them the best new year. They have many plans for the things that they would like to do. And our prayer is that the Lord would meet them and administer uh, to their needs, that they would accomplish the things of God that they have laid out uh, before themselves to do. And we're just excited about it. I wanted to start this year off by closing out this series that I've been in. And this, this series has really been trying to get us to a place over the last several uh, months or few months, I've been ministering on how um, the concept or, or about the concept of how God really connects with us. And I, I believe that it's very important that we understand how God works and how the word of God works so that we can properly apply it to you know, our lives so that we can enjoy the promises that it presents to us. It's actually my intention in this final message on this specific subject to recap and kind of pull everything together so that we can uh, take what we've learned over the last few months and use it in this new year so we can start our year right, hit the ground running, and accomplish the things God has created us to accomplish. In very simple words, 
God connects with us by working himself into us, and in order to accomplish this, he must do it through the manifestation of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost or the Spirit. Now, I have attempted to explain at length the triunity of God or the, the Godhead and get you to a place of understanding that it was never God's intention to teach us a doctrine of the Trinity in Scripture. We do not believe that there are three separate gods that are kind of controlling all that is. We believe in the triunity of the Godhead. The, the doctrine of God, in fact, as detailed in Scripture, involves uh, man in many different concepts. But the Scriptures do reveal how God accomplishes his divine connection with man in those three distinct manifestations or persons. Now, I've pointed out that God's connection with man involves administration, it involves stewardship, it involves government, it involves arrangement, and it involves dispensation. Now, the word dispensation is used without any thought to periods of time, but with the meaning of the dispensing of God into us throughout all of time. God's intention is to dispense himself uh, or pour himself into us, such as we would a nice, uh, you know, uh, cup of tea. We would pour that tea. If, you, if you're like my wife, you take it all the way to the brim. You get into that cup as much as you possibly can. And this is what God is doing for us. He's pouring himself into us. And this plan is the center of his creation and his process of redemption. God created us and redeemed us for this very purpose, that man might be the container into which he would dispense himself. In the whole of universe, that includes time, space, eternity, the center of God's desire is to dispense himself into humanity. He created us for the purpose to carry his glory. Now, eventually, the ultimate consummation of all God's work of creation and redemption and the transformation is the universal mingling together of God with man, which is what his intention was uh, in the beginning, the ultimate expression of relationship. Now, the new Jerusalem comes into existence as the ultimate result of all God's work as recorded in the 66 books of the Bible. Now, this results in nothing other than the universal mingling together of God with man. The New Jerusalem is a mingling of God himself with a corporate body of people. Now, at that time that God has fully poured himself out, we will no longer be natural, but every part and every aspect will have been regenerated, will have been transformed and conformed by God and with God as life, we will be the fullness of the expression of God in all that we do, in all that we say, and in everywhere we find ourselves to be. We will have been transformed both in nature and conformed in appearance to God himself. And if we're going to serve the Lord in a proper way, we need to have this ultimate vision for ourselves. Now, this vision is not new. 
It is the original vision from the beginning of the church age, but it must be new and renewed day by day within us. It must be the controlling vision of all of our work, of all of our life, and of everything we put our hands to do. Now, there is a, a process that we've talked about to accomplish uh, these things. And there are four steps that in this series I introduced to you. I know the question might be in your mind right now, what is that process by which God accomplishes this connection with his creation? Well, first of all, the Father, who is the source, has been put into the Son. The Father, with all his fullness, has come forth in the person of the Son. Now, I heard somebody try to explain how God could be in Jesus and be both man and be both God. And they said, uh, you know, in their explanation that God limited himself by putting himself in man. In other words, Jesus did not uh, hold the fullness of God. And this could not be further from the truth. The fullness, the Bible says, of the Godhead was found in Jesus bodily. Jesus was the ultimate expression of all that God is. There was not one part of God that was absent from Jesus. God the Father poured himself in God the Son. Now the Son is both the embodiment and the expression of the Father. No one but the Son has ever seen God the Father. In the Son, God has accomplished all that he planned through four major steps. The incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and then his ascension. Now these four steps have fulfilled everything that God planned to do in eternity. By incarnation, God was brought into man. God has been brought into the human nature and has lived uh, in that nature 33 and a half years on this earth. Whatever human suffering is there, uh, you know, that we, that we deal with in this earth, God has suffered it. It was not merely a man by the name of Yeshua who suffered, but it was God within Yeshua who was suffering. Next was the crucifixion. All the, the negative things that I talked about, I gave you 12 points of negative things um, such as uh, Satan and fallen man and sin and the world and death and things of this nature. All these things have been brought to the cross and put to an end. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It's done. Nothing else needs to be done. Every negative aspect of uh, life was terminated at the cross by the work of Christ. The resurrection followed uh, the crucifixion. Now the resurrection recovered and uplifted the standard of humanity that was created by God and brought the human nature back into the fold of God. So by incarnation, the divine nature was brought into man and by resurrection, the human nature was brought back to God. Now, it is possible for man to have more than a created human nature. His nature has been regenerated, uplifted, and brought into God. 
And after the resurrection, Christ was exhibited to the whole universe as a model. And in this model, God is a man and man is in God. Since all the negative things have been dealt with and terminated at the cross, there is nothing negative in this model or representation of who we are to be. This model, Jesus, Yeshua, then ascended to the heavens and was enthroned with glory and authority and seated at the right hand of God with everything under him. The human mind cannot comprehend to the fullest the very picture of what's taking place across the annals of time. At this point, everything was accomplished. Nothing has been left unfinished. This model, Yeshua, which is God mingled with man and man mingled with God, ascended far above all things in space, all things in time. He transcended to the highest place in the universe and was enthroned with glory and authority. Then from this glorified one, the Holy Spirit came like the outflow of a liquid coming uh, upon many uh, elements, but is composed of many things. You see, the spirit is the divine nature, the human nature, the human life, the human suffering, the death of the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, and the enthronement. All of these things are elements that are included within the Holy Ghost. Now, I've shown you in the word how wonderful this outflow is and the, how all-inclusive this dose of God into humanity is. Whatever we need is only found in this and as this outflow of God the Holy Spirit has been poured into us now on the day of resurrection and on the day of Pentecost the Holy Spirit the Spirit including every element came into and upon what we call the early Christians now on one hand he comes into us and on the other hand he comes upon us God in his three manifestations mingles himself together with us. We have to understand how God operates within the human spirit. The process of God coming into us is this. God in three manifestations enters into humanity. The New Testament deals more with the fact that God in the spirit has come into us than with the fact of his coming upon us. This little word in occurs many times in the New Testament. Christ in me. Christ lives in me. Christ formed in me. Christ makes his home in me. Christ abides in me and I in him. Now, if you have time, you ought to take a moment and count how many times that little word has been used in the New Testament. God made man purposely in three parts so that he could come into man and man would fit his purpose. Man, as I've shown you, is a tripartite being, body, soul, and spirit, which corresponds to the tabernacle with its three parts, the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. We spent a lot of time in, uh, showing you pictures and trying to get you to a level of understanding to rep the representation of the very temple of God being manifest in man himself. 
Only the inmost part is the place where God's Shekinah glory dwells and where the ark as a type of Christ dwells. This shows us clearly that God and Christ have come to dwell in our spirit. Our spirit is the inmost part as a representation of the holy of holies. Now we can trace this from the scriptures very clearly. Look in 2 Timothy 4 and 22, which says, The Lord be with your spirit. Also, according to Ephesians 4 and 6, God the Father is in us. According to 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, God the Son is in us. And according to Romans 8 and 11, God the Spirit is in us. The triune God, the triunity of the Godhead in the persons of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are now alive in our spirit. And this is the process of God coming into us. The triunity of God is found in our spirit to be our very life and our everything. Now, using our spirit as his center, God works himself out through us, quite starkly different than the way we do it. When we do things, we do things outwardly first without an inward conversion. And we find that outward things fail when there is no inward conversion. But God doesn't think like us. He doesn't operate like us. God starts at the center of who we are. He works from the inside, recognizing that the outside will always ultimately reflect what's going on on the inside. And if there is no inward conversion, no matter how long you may put on the mask, eventually that mask is going to come off. God works himself out from the center of us, our spirit. The triunity of God is the center of our being. Now, when you think about that, that's really a hallelujah moment. God came into the human nature, brought the human nature into his divine nature, and then put an end to every negative thing. Now, the triunity of God and all that he has accomplished are found not externally from us, but internally within our spirit and have become the fuel of our life and of our everything. Now, from this central point, the spirit of man, the triunity of God, then spreads out to saturate every inward part for, uh, of our being with himself. Now, the human spirit is the very place where the process of God coming into us dwells. And if we miss this, this spot, if we, if we misunderstand what God is doing, we'll miss the way to properly connect with God and understand how God connects with us. Now, I don't say this, uh, you know, that this is the goal, but it's just the process. This process has been neglected by so many what we call Christians today. We may talk about many scriptural things and not hit this point. In fact, we must realize that all of the teachings of the 66 books of the Bible are for this process. All the different gifts and all the different functions are for this process and must be centered upon this very process. How can we realize the triunity of God dwelling within our spirit? How can we experience this indwelling spirit within our spirit? We must realize that the triunity of God is always operating within us. If you don't read me, uh, read uh, Philippians 2 and 13. He is operating within us 
not without us. And he is uh, even operating within us more than he's operating upon us. The Greek word for operate is equivalent to the English word energize. You see, in the Bible is where you find the first energizer bunny. And when you look in the mirror, you'll find out that that bunny is you. The indwelling God is energizing within us all the time. Is also living within us through Christ who lives in me. In other words, the triunity of God. And when I say the triunity of God, I'm expressing to you the fullness of God, everything that God is. God is not limited in any way. The fullness of who he is has been poured into us. That triunity of God is within us today as our very life. And with this life, there's also the inner law, the, the uh, living law, not the law of letters, but the law of life. This divine law of life is always regulating us from within. This is how externally our behavior can reflect what's happening internally because we're functioning under the regulation of the inner law. If you don't believe me, read Hebrews 8 and 10. Now, besides inwardly regulating us, the indwelling triunity of God is also anointing within us all the time. 1 John 2 and 27 teaches us this. The bondage of the former things are being destroyed by the present and current anointing of God that's dwelling on the inside of us. Let's take a moment and consider these four uh, words just a little bit further. Operating, living, regulating, and anointing. How much the church needs the inner revelation and experiences of these four very things. We should not consider them as just teachings or doctrine, but we should experience the triunity of God every day operating in us, living in us, regulating us, and anointing us. And if we experienced it, rather than just learned it we would see a difference in what we call the church we should allow this wonderful triunity of God to continually regulate us in our thinking in our motives in our words in our attitudes and in our relationships with others even our eating or things simple as putting on clothes should be regulated by God we must be uh, able to experience him to such an extent and in such a practical way. This has not, uh, this is not something that we should degrade in any way and, and just call it a doctrine. Doctrines do not work. When this is practiced, it will be revolutionary. We must realize that such a wonderful Christ is indwelling our spirit for the purpose of operating and living in us and regulating us and anointing us. Doctrine by itself will do nothing. If you do not allow the doctrine that you're standing upon to become alive in you, to be something that is applied in your life or experienced in your life, your doctrine is for naught. It means absolutely nothing what you say you have learned if you do not express it. Uh, there was a movie I uh, watched once and one of the actors in the movie uh, was giving a, a, a famous speech that um, a, a person made and one of the things that he said was, is I'm a revolutionary. And this is what we need to be is, is the children of God. We need to be revolutionaries. We need to be revolutionary within us. It's time for an uprising within us that's, that quells the desires of the flesh and allows God to live. 
And if we do not experience God in a practical way, it's absolutely impossible for us to build the church. Now, this is just, uh, illustrated in, in a type of Eve who was brought into being by coming out of Adam. Eve came out of Adam. If you don't believe me, Genesis 2, 21 through 24 will tell you this. Eve came out of Adam. You cannot separate. I know that we're in, 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 the, in the woman movement right now, and I'm not, you know, speaking against any of that, but the fact is the fact. Woman came out of man. Eve was a part of Adam. Eve is something out of Adam. Only that which came out of Adam could be the wife to Adam. Now, this is the design. This is what God established. Only what came out of Adam could be the wife to Adam. So every part and every aspect of Eve are then something of Adam. This confirms that the church can only be built with that which has come out of Jesus. Only that which comes out of Jesus can be the church. Doctrines and gifts do not build the church. Christ himself in the saints is the only material by which the body of Christ is built. And if we lack the experiences of practically living by Christ, we will only be a kind of religious church. A church that knows the word but does not actually apply the word in their living. We have to uh, learn to experience Christ, not only as our life, but also as our food, the very bread of life. He is the supply of food that is alive within us. Day by day, we have to feed on Christ and be nourished by Christ. This must be uh, not merely be a teaching to us, but our daily and hourly and moment by moment experience. In John 6 uh, and 57, the Lord said that he who eats him will live because of him so if we're going to live by christ we have to eat christ then he will be real to us it, you know it, it's sorrowful to me that so many christians are not really dieting on jesus they're dieting on a whole lot of stuff it's just the stuff they're dieting on has nothing to do with Jesus. And this is why the church looks just like the world in many aspects. Let me illustrate it to you this way. When you were born, you probably weighed somewhere between 6 to 10 pounds, you know, and, and, and that's the average. But now, you're probably over 100 pounds, or at least some of us. And, and then some of us are even much, you know, weightier than that much to our own chagrin but the body's been built up please don't tell me that you were built up by anything other than the experience of growth were you built up by going to the restaurant and looking at a menu of course not your body was built up by the things that you ate you know, all the eggs and, and the bacon and, and the pork chops and, and the steaks and the fried chicken and the potatoes and the apples and the bananas and, and, and all these wonderful things. This is what growthed you. So how can the body of Christ be built up? It is not by teaching, for the more you are taught how to eat, the more 
you will be reduced in what you eat. In fact, if you only learn the art of eating, somebody will be doing your funeral pretty soon. You may learn many things and even be the best dietitian, but you will soon die because unless you experience eating, knowing about eating really at the end of the day does nothing. If I don't take what I know and experience it, then that knowledge is mute. You may know all the good scriptures and uh, even spiritual teachings and yet be starving from a lack of food. You may be able to quote the Bible from cover to cover, yet your life is not reflective of the knowledge you possess. The churches today need the mothers to nurse the young ones and give them not teachings, but something of Christ to eat and drink. If you ask me what's troubling me these days, I will tell you that there are only two things that truly trouble me. One is that although so many of my dear brothers and sisters have really seen the negative things of Christianity and something about uh, the Lord's way with his church, I'm afraid that they will practice the church life by outward methods only. Now, you may say, formerly I, I pastored a church in a certain way, but now I see that the, the way I was pastoring is wrong, so I drop that way and I just pick another way. Or you might see this in politics with, uh, I thought being a Democrat was right, so now I don't think it is, so I'm going to become a Republican. But this, uh, at the end of the day, is still a religious activity. It's not the building up of the body of Christ. The building up of the body of Christ is something that occurs from within. You must diet on Jesus. You have to eat and drink Jesus. You have to be nourished by Jesus. When you are full of Jesus, you will minister something of Jesus as food to others then the body of Christ will be built up. It's not a matter of method. If you read the whole New Testament, you cannot discover one method. It's not your style. It's not the delivery. It's what you are putting into yourself. If I have any method at all, it is this. First, you must be on the cross. Second, you must feed on Jesus in the spirit day by day. Third, when you are nourished and full of Jesus, you need to nourish others with Jesus. This is the fulfillment of the word of God. God didn't call the church to come to the church to Talk to the church. God called you to go into the world and preach the gospel, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. The coming to the church is for the pastor, the minister, the elder, whomever God is resting his spirit upon and, and given the wisdom of revelation of his word. It's to empower you, to rebuild you, to strengthen you, to help you get nourished. It's not for you to go find your friend and bring them to church and say listen to my pastor you should be the representation because you've eaten so much Jesus Jesus is just pouring out of your veins it reminds me and this may be an awful thing but it's still it reminds me of a drunk person you know when somebody is drunk not by the way they act but by the way they smell 
Because out of their very pores, you can smell the alcohol. It's very distinct. It's very noticeable. It's very unique. You can smell it. You can smell it on their breath. You can smell it coming off of their, their body. You can smell it in their sweat. Why? Because they've poured into themselves something that wants to come out. Jesus is pouring into you so that Jesus can come out of you. That's when the church will, become, will come into being. The only method is to go to the cross, feed on Jesus, and then nourish others with Jesus to fulfill scripture. The other thing that troubles me is this. Although we have been talking so much about Jesus as our life, I fear that we know uh, this only as a sermon. It's just a subject. It's just a term. It's just a biblical series that I've given you. Too many of us do not have the daily and hourly relational experiences of Yeshua's death, burial, and resurrection. We need to be continually regulated and anointed by him daily and hourly. We must feed on him and have an intimate fellowship with him. We need to forget about ourselves and contact him, enjoy him, be regulated by him, be anointed by him all of the time. This is the inner life, the inward experience of the indwelling Christ, the fullness of everything that God is alive within the container of your body. The Bible declares in this earthen vessel houses the excellency of the power of God. As you let Christ be your daily food and you can uh, testify to the whole universe, I am tasting Jesus day by day. I am having such an intimate living fellowship with him hour by hour. I am under his regulating and his anointing all of the time. We all need to pay full attention to this matter. This is the process of God. And if we miss this process of God's way in our spirit, how can his way be worked out in the church? When you drive your car, you know where to put the gasoline and you know how to start it. That is the way of operating a motor vehicle. If you lose that way, although you may have a beautiful car, that car will not run. It only runs through a process. And that process, every part of the process has to be uh, in full effect. This is why the book of Hebrews gives us such a verse uh, as uh, uh, Hebrews 4 and 12 the word of God is living and penetrating so that it divides our spirit from the soul all the experiences that are taught in the book of Hebrews must be realized by the discerning of the spirit all the inclusiveness of Christ has uh, the, the good land uh, found in the spirit his dwelling in the holy of holies is now become our spirit if you do not know how to discern the spirit from the soul you will miss the process and never enjoy everything that is Jesus every day you must deal with the living Christ who is sub, uh, uh, subjective uh, to you Christ is within you he doesn't remove your will it should be your will that Christ be alive in you 
He is a living, real, and practical power. When you eat him, drink him, feast on him as your daily nourishment, you will live by him and with him and be under his constant regulating and anointing. And this is what we need to experience all the time if we're going to impart Christ as food to others. If people are fed with Christ, he will become the material uh, in them for which they will be built. And then the body of Christ will gradually grow and be built upon. I do look to the Lord that our eyes will be open to see the heavenly vision and the inner revelation of this living, indwelling, subjective Jesus in our spirit as the way that God connects with us. Don't let 2023 be reflective of 2022. It wasn't by accident, it was by design that God brought this series to a close with the culmination on this first day of the new year, this this first Sunday of the new year. The fullness of everything that he's been pouring into us that we might understand that as we enter this year, as we enter it feasting on Jesus, oh, what a year this can be. Oh, a revolution can start. A blessing beyond our imagination. The growth of the church such as none has ever seen. Let Jesus be what everyone sees, smells out of the pores of your life. Know that I'm praying the blessings of the Lord upon each of you. I thank God for you and this opportunity to share with you what God has given me. God is not looking for perfect people. The work of Christ in you will perfect you. You don't have to try to get it right yourself. The work of Christ within you will get it right. This is why the anointing is upon us to destroy the yoke of bondage. Be free in 2023. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome new year. This has been a production of the GMFC Studios. God bless you.